Welcome to episode 47 of Australian Design Radio to provide Australia and the world with conversations and commentary on Australian design. I'm Flynn Tracy and with me as always is Matt Leach. Hey. Holiday Matt. Holiday Matt, yeah. So we're actually in San Diego. Yeah, we are. So we're at the Adobe Max conference and I was on holiday over here already. So I am super relaxed. Well, I've been sleeping really well. <laughs> yeah, because you, have you got jet lag? No, not at all. See, I don't, really. I don't actually believe in jet lag, yeah? Yeah. It just, uh, I reckon if you tell yourself it doesn't exist, then it, it, you don't get it. Well, it seems to be working for you. Yeah. Hmm. But I have been here for a couple of weeks, so. Oh, yeah, so you're completely full of shit. So, um, so who do we have? So, today we have one of the Adobe influencers, and I want to find out what that means in a second, but we've got James K. Lowe with us from Auckland, New Zealand. Our first non-Australian. Yeah, but you could say New Zealand. Guys claim everything anyway. So. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's it. Yeah. I can be Australian for today. Yeah. So welcome, James. Hi. So you're also our first photographer. So I'm a believer in jet lag. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you do believe in jet lag? I hasn't been so bad this time, but. I'm so you travel quite a bit though, yeah? A bit, yeah, a fair bit. Which has been nice to me. Well, people have been nice to me, which is good. <laughs> have you got any super tips for traveling? I wish, but <laughs> <laughs> these days it's kind of like you just deal with it. Yeah. yeah. Mm. So going back to your name, mm-hmm. James K, is it important that the K is the part K of the name? exists because of another James Lowe out there who's also a photographer who likes to take photos of babies and uh, <laughs> the so odd weird. wedding, <laughs> school portraits, things like that. Oh, so he's got millions and millions and millions of things online? Well, he's, he's definitely quite prolific in the, uh, like the stock world. Right. In the baby photography world. Yes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Big market out there. I'm trying to separate myself from that. Right. Yeah, fair enough. So, so this is like a Google SEO issue, right? Yeah. So <laughs> like, hey, I'm That's exactly yeah. it. Yeah. yeah. So I introduced the K for that reason. Nice. Excellent. So, because your photography is very different to that. I'd like to think so. (laughs) (laughs) So, how would you describe it? So, I mean, you do a lot of fashion, but Mm. you also do sort of your own sort of solo projects as well. Well, I started out um, in fine arts and photography, or I was introduced to photography that way. I went down an exhibiting route. Uh, I represented New Zealand at the... Photo Key, the Key Biennial in Paris in 2011. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then I, some way, somehow moved into fashion. Is it true uh, that your sister got you into fashion? Probably. I'd say so. Because she's a stylist, yeah? She's a blogger. Right. Who is very clever. Now she works at the modeling agency, so right. it kind of, yeah, she's sort of paved that road for me there. Perfect. Mm. Do you like fashion? I like clothes, but I don't know if I like fashion. Okay. What's, what would, what's the difference? I feel like fashion is all about trends and like, I don't know, like I, like I work at Fashion Weeks a lot, but I sort of don't really care about what people are wearing or what they're mm. doing. It's more just like if something's cool, then it'll like stand out to me mm. um so it's like fashion's like as you're saying like about trends and about what's hot now or what's next yeah and so you're less excited about that part of it yeah, yeah. i mean something's got to look good on camera but other than that like 
doesn't really mean that much. Is that because uh, you've seen behind the curtain a little bit more than most people? Um, I think so. Well, I, don't know, I used to work retail, and so <laughs> right. maybe that's what spawned <laughs> it all as well. Um, but otherwise, I haven't. I don't know. Maybe it's sort of coming from New Zealand. The things that I'm interested in aren't what people are creating down there. Mm-hmm. Uh, which is mostly women's wear and it's a bit out of right yeah <laughs> and so what so onto that what are you interested in like how is it different i guess because of where i used to work it was like a sort of a little niche japanese store so things from japan i'm in love with right yeah. uh and we'll follow that to the end of the world but um unfortunately i don't come across that too often with my work so how did you get into photography I feel like in a like a, a dreamy story would be that my grandfather was an artist who went to apparently the same um, art school that I ended up going to, but I'm actually not sure about that because <laughs> I feel like he says one thing and he's actually lying. Well, not lying. He just stretching. He just doesn't remember things anymore. Right. Um, but basically, I went to uh, all boys high school that was either academic or sporty and if you didn't do either one of those you kind of fell between the cracks and that was me and so I finished a little bit early um, managed to get uh, my university entrance by 3% which was great Um, I wanted to do graphic design uh, follow in my sister's footsteps but my marks were too poor for that so I got into art school and it was my second year that it's a multidisciplinary school and the brief sort of lent itself to photography. So I went and talked to the photography technician at the time and we kind of, we got along really well and he just sort of gave me a camera and a set of lights and my first shoot was at some strange open home that the real estate um, guy just gave me a key to randomly really (laughs) and then we did the shoot at 4am in the morning and I screwed it up and had to reshoot it again (laughs) (laughs) and you're like this is what I want to do for the rest of my life yeah which was like great it was like a huge learning curve to yeah I I went out and shot on 5.4 and E6 film and if anyone's ever shot E6 it's pretty much if your exposure's off then you may as well throw the negatives in the bin. Wow. <laughs> but it was, a, it was a good way to learn, and I I can't... There's so many shoots that I had to redo so many times just because I had loaded the film in backwards or I set the light meter to the wrong um, film speed. Just stupid stuff like that. But you learned loads. I mean, we we saw uh, Tarantino talk earlier, mm. and he he was talking about that film that he shot that took him seven years that no one will ever see because that's yeah. where he made all the mistakes and mm. that's you where have he to learnt. go through that to come out on the other side really do you think do you think people realize like you know, students and of today do you think they realize how many kind of missteps you need to make before you i would like to think so but i went to a portfolio review yesterday and it felt the opposite (laughs) or at least maybe it's where we are right now but everyone was so confident about their work which is really great but i feel like i wasn't like that when i was coming through university was their confidence justified in the work that you saw or did you think they 
You saw a lot of mistakes. Okay. That wasn't my forte. Uh, this, I feel like I'm quite, I'm very critical about what I look at and what I like. Yeah. Which isn't to say it's bad, but um, just yeah, I didn't like it. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Sorry if you're in that portfolio review with me. <laughs> Do you, um, I mean, you talked about your art background as well. Mm-hmm. I mean, and when you look at your photography, you're, you're looking in a slightly different way than like your, your typical fashion photographer would be. Right. Um, I guess that is my art background. The photographers that I like most aren't fashion photographers. The only one I can think of that sort of crosses both worlds would be Philip Locker de Courcher. His work is great. Um, and then someone a little bit closer to home is uh, Derek Henderson. I think he does sort mm. of fashion and art very well and commercial. He does everything, actually. Mm. <laughs> so those are sort of my influence into fashion as opposed to fashion photographers whose names I can't even think of right now. <laughs> So, and then I've read quite a lot that you're often referred to as a technical photographer. But when we talked before, you were kind of surprised by that. Yeah, I don't really understand how that's come to be. I definitely care about having everything right. Yeah. (laughs) I guess I've spent a lot of time, like I really loved Cruton's work when I was going through uni. And I feel like my work was probably a little bit too close to that. But learning right. his way of working and having like a film, basically a, creating a film set uh, for a single still is sort of how I've come to treat my shoots. Yeah. And so it's all about sort of getting lighting perfect. Uh, lately, I've been building sets. And so... Yeah. So I wanted to ask about that because you've, you've built quite a few sets, haven't you? It's just starting. Right. Um, I'm very uh not good with a a hammer but um i'm learning so it's a it's a fun part so, to it so why is that important to you for you to do that as opposed to just hiring some tradies i don't actually know like i mean it would be so much easier to just hire tradies to actually do it and do it right and done a couple of commercial jobs where we have hired people to actually build the set mm. and they put we built like a interior room with slanted walls and everything and they put it together in like four hours and then sort of the shoot that's the shoots that i've been doing and building my own sets i built like a slanted wall and it took nine hours right. uh, <laughs> so if they can build a whole room in half the time they can build just a simple, a simple slope um yeah i'm probably doing it wrong but um it's enjoyable Something like, a bit different as well. Yeah, it's hands-on. Yeah. I bought a nail gun and screwdriver, well, electric <laughs> drills, sorry, Yeah. Um, the other day, so. Off you go. Yeah. So How's like, that feel? You're just like blindly walking into the hardware store? I, I, <laughs> yeah. I, I feel like All the, the biggest poser when I yeah. go into the hardware store. Mm. I'm like, do you have one of those curvy things? Hammer, and they're yeah. like, a hammer? I'm like, yeah. yeah. You got any hammers? That'll do. <laughs> <laughs> That'll do. And they're like, and I'm picking up some, the wrong, the wrong type of hammer like what type of work are you doing and i'm like just hitting hitting just shit with the, DIY. <laughs> I just to hit want to smash stuff and like is it wood are you working with wood or concrete and I'm like wood and they're like you want a wood hammer then i'm like okay that's exactly when i bought the nail gun they're like do you know how to use it 
No. <laughs> but how hard can it be? I've seen yeah. horror movies. <laughs> yeah. I just point this at the thing that I want to die, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it does feel a little bit, when I go into a hardware store, it's a little bit like the comic book guy on the, on the Simpsons. Where right. I always feel like I don't quite know what to ask for, and I feel like they get really annoyed with me quite quickly. Yeah. Mm. So, so I buy stuff oh, that I don't what? actually know. Yay, hi. Yeah. Big, you know. Yeah. They ask you. They immediately ask you a question that you realize you have to go home and measure something. Exactly. Yeah. I remember I had to get a fly screen um, for just one of my windows. I just moved in. I went. Oh, I definitely need a fly screen for that window because mm. it's really it gets quite hot here in the afternoon. And so I went and said, I need some fly screen stuff. I was like, How big's the window? I'll be back. <laughs> <laughs> Literally left and came back like an hour later and went, it's about this big. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Many, many times I've done that. So I'm still interested about why. See, so are you a closet tradie? Like, do you, is this something that you really want to get into? Like building bigger sets and like getting to like. Well, now I'm starting to see that it might actually be like a profession that they could do yeah because i'm going to new york after this and i've been looking at agencies and one of the agencies there is called streeters and they represent a guy whose name i will tell you in some time um <laughs> who did all the sets for the calvin klein campaigns which if you've seen like the um i feel da 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 in my calvin klein oh yeah, yeah. um which most of those don't even, I wasn't even aware they were built on a set or sh sorry, shot on a set. Um, but this guy uh, built them all for them, which is kind of amazing. All oh, right. And so I'm starting to realize that, oh, this is actually something that you can do mm. as a profession. Or at least you can do it. As part of like what you do. Like yeah. As, a, as like you an offering or a service. It's like, if you want this kind of look, I can do that too. Yeah, and it's going to take this long, and it's mm. this many millions of dollars. Is that taking you away from what you're getting known for, or what you're good at? Well, I feel like it becomes a part of that, right? Like I, so okay, hold on. This guy's name is David White. Just, okay. just to finish it that's, off, that's for our show notes. Yeah, so people <laughs> yeah. can check them out. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, this sounds terrible now. It's like becoming a jack of all trades a little bit. Yeah. Um, There's but, actually a talk on this afternoon that I really want to get to, which is about jack of all trades. Oh right, because I think it, it's exactly that. It's mm. kind of oh, I like that. That's that looks interesting. And then suddenly you're like, wow, I kind of I'm not really good at anything, but I can do everything. Yeah, not saying that you're not good at it. <laughs> no, no. I mean, it's like what we were talking about earlier. Like um, like I for a lot of the things I've started to outsource my retouching because. You know, people can, you know, retouchers are incredible at what they do. And yeah. They can do it a lot better than I can. And they can push uh, the image a lot further than what I do at home. So, I don't know, maybe I should be hiring tradies. Yeah, well, yeah. And I guess I'm just interested because obviously at Adobe Max, there's been a lot of stuff that, well, definitely a lot of stuff I've been seeing, which I kind of think, oh, God, like I'm so dated, like... Like they're, they're showing me the next function of this program. I'm like, I didn't even know that program existed. So it's like, oh, I, I feel like up all the programs on the screen. I was like, yeah, I use Photoshop I was, and do you use Lightroom? No. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> me either. I've never, I've never used it either. I've, never, I've opened it. Of, yeah. Have you? Yeah. You have opened it. Yeah. I've opened it accidentally. I was like, oop, better <laughs> get back into Photoshop. <laughs> yeah. So you've never, yeah. Fair um, enough. Just, yeah. just oh, Photoshop. I, just use, I also, I use Capture One, which is, the competitor right. to, to Lightroom. Sorry, Adobe. <laughs> but, um, 
it, it, yeah, it works for me. So yeah, but I mean, each to their own. I think I, I have Lightroom on my phone, so uh, I can edit selfies and stuff really well. <laughs> <laughs> the real, the real photography. Yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. But yeah, I think it's that kind of thing. Like you know, do I do I try and get my head around all these programs? Yeah. Or, or do I just pick one and go, okay, I'm, I'm going to learn that and become good at that and then at least mm. I've got something? Mm. It's well, a good I mean, question. It's. <laughs> I feel like you have to dip into everything a little bit. Yeah. So at least you have an understanding about, you know, what's possible and then you outsource it to someone else who can do it better than you. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you might get to the stage where you're just like managing a photographer or a retoucher. And <laughs> yeah. I mean, this is... Um, who I was looking at like early on, like Crutzen, um, he, he's a director more than a photographer. Well, like, I guess technically he's a photographer, but if you've looked at any of his behind the scenes uh, videos or anything, he's got crews of like up to a hundred people and someone lights everything for him. Yep. Someone's physically pressing the shutter for him. Right. And so his job is direction, mm. which is kind of, quite nice to be able to step back and see the whole thing because i think like mm. at least i definitely missed that a lot because i'm so busy thinking about you know if the light's hitting something correctly and what i need to do to fix that mm. so i you know often i'll overlook some of the smaller details which you know can make or break a photo yeah so that's interesting is that like something that you you might want to like do in the future like is that something you could do on a small scale and collaborate with maybe another photographer or something or i don't know how photographers work like that that's the other thing i also don't like giving up control ah, <laughs> so, yeah here it comes now we're getting yeah. Cold, yeah. <laughs> so it's like 50 50 you know we're like i'm putting trust into the people i work with but i'm also very selective about who i'm working with yeah and do you usually have like a assistant photographer with you or someone uh, helping out yeah there's a, a couple of um, people that i will always have on my shoots and they they make the day go so much more smoothly and and what what do they do so i guess is i normally have like a digital up who will sit behind the computer and make sure everything isn't overexposed yeah <laughs> uh and then i just have uh, a lighting assistant who helps me put everything together cool yeah so do you take them when you go to shoots like if you're going to new york to do a shoot or something like that i'm not that big yet not that big yet <laughs> but if i could i would yeah you know every shoot back home they're on yeah um i feel like they are core to my process right how much stuff is done in post i feel like very little compared to what i've seen being out here other people mm. you're right okay um is that why they call you a technical photographer maybe is or like i feel like you have to do it like if you're not doing it in camera then i guess there was a shoot that i worked on last month uh it was for an album cover uh we wanted to sh shoot sort of a shady bar interior um and one of the walls had to be redrawn in completely and just on the day trying to shoot that and try picture the wall being <laughs> there when it's not is quite difficult to see overall picture mm. uh so we spent basically a full day trying to get one image and the whole time was i was feeling frustrated that it just didn't look right mm. but i mean looking at the final product now with everything drawn in it's it's perfect it's, fine, it's great yeah. but yeah i feel like half the time i like working with um constant light 
which makes everything a lot more difficult, but at least it creates atmosphere on the day. So for everyone at home who doesn't know what constant light means... Including me. <laughs> so instead of using flashes, I have a, a constant source of light. Right, right. so like a just massive a spike, light box or... Or more, um, you know, our, the, the light bulb is yeah. a constant source yeah. as opposed to just a single spike of light, which will... You know, when you're on the shoot, you can have your modeling bulbs on, but it doesn't give the same atmosphere as actually having the light source on constantly. And I guess especially because you're working with people. Mm. So building that atmosphere is probably really important. Yeah. Photography for me is about sort of the one-on-one with who I'm shooting. Mm -hmm. Having that sort of relationship is what, you know, you get a great image if, if it works. Hmm. you know doesn't work all the time but so how do, how do you so when you're say working with a new model how do you make that happen like kind of well <laughs> trying to work that out still being able to converse with them and sort of find some common ground is so important like I, like, like a hairdresser yeah <laughs> exactly <laughs> um <laughs> I, I've been told I do this thing when I'm shooting, which is like, I kind of, I'm not really someone who likes to talk a lot. <laughs> so I use hand actions and then I found that sort of models that I've worked with a lot. So that I understand the way I work and sort of when I lift my hand or, or, uh, lower it, it sort of is directing their chin. It's like, lift your chin, drop your chin. Oh, really? And then moving my hand, so the left and right is about like tilting your head. Yeah. Um, or side to side is um, physically moving your head side to side. Yeah. So you've come up with your own sign language. To yeah. <laughs> and if someone can understand that, then it's kind of amazing for me. Because mm. <laughs> I'm like literally just sort of pressing a button and then moving my hand. It's like, I guess it's like kind of being a conductor a little bit. So, yeah, you want to work with robots. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be the dream. Yeah. <laughs> Do you often work with the same same models or are you kind of given like on the on these shoots are you, are you given the model and you just kind of turn up on the day say hey I'm James I'm going to be shooting you today for the most part I have a bit of a say in that um, yeah. also New Zealand's pretty small so there are the same faces right a lot of the time right <laughs> well more recently I've been doing more testing because I need to get a little bit better at being more verbal <laughs> mm-hmm. um, which is I feel like is a great way to learn to shoot portraiture and stuff like that because these are often very very young and nervous faces and if you can sort of connect with them and be able to direct someone who has no idea what they're doing in front of a camera then what you bring to a bigger shoot is going to be so much better so when you say bigger shoot like how many people are working on those kind of ones the biggest shoot that i've ever done there were 60 of us that's about right it's about 20 something um crew and 40 models Mm. which was horrific and (laughs) definitely (laughs) something that i don't want to return to again anytime soon were you the only photographer there were other photographers i had two uh 5.4 cameras up on two scaffolding towers so i had to have people up there pressing the button the whole time right and then sort of just trying to direct that many people is a, is incredibly difficult. Especially <laughs> when, when you're not a big talker. And yeah. 
Yeah, trying to communicate all that with your hand movements. Just yeah, like you forty over here. No one. Yeah, as soon as you introduce a big crowd, people sort of tend to uh, fuck around a bit and then makes your job horrible. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, so yeah, so that's that's the extreme end, and then I guess for the odd job, it's always somewhere around fifteen to twenty, which everyone's doing something, and yeah. So in that in that sense, especially when you talk about the big job where people like pressing buttons effectively mm. so that's all about kind of the after after the shoot and kind of going through all the work and f- trying to find that perfect picture yeah yeah which yeah also editing I, I'm, I'm honestly terrible at this is where my sister comes in a lot of the time because i'm like can you just go through the images and tell me which ones are good <laughs> right <laughs> <laughs> i feel like the things that i like are the things that other people don't like as well so i tend to uh if i can stay away from that side then I'm happy. Yeah, you've got it nailed. You're like outsourcing like all everything, like everything just about everything. It's great. Yeah. I wonder if the, I wonder if part of that is is maybe because you're so close to it and you did it all. It's like a fresh set of eyes coming through and looking at it. Mm. Do you think that plays a part? For sure. Uh, maybe I get sick of things quite easily. Yeah, because you mentioned before that you were really frustrated that one day, but mm. then later on the the photos were great. But it was a, like really frustrating day because you're trying to get everything right. You didn't feel like you got it. But then yeah. later on you're like, actually, this is pretty good. Mm. Well, we <laughs> maybe it's maybe it's a forest through the trees kind of situation yeah. yeah i guess it comes down to that whole you know i i guess i know my job and if you have someone to rely on to do those other parts and you know it's a collaborative aspect yeah. to working you know we can't all be good at one thing as much as we'd like to be hmm <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, it's, it goes back to that kind of jack of all trades thing again, doesn't it? It's yeah. Like the people who do really kind of stick at one thing eventually sort of get known, mm. and the Jasper John's toast kind of idea that I'm just going to nail toast to a wall sort of thing, and <laughs> eventually people will come around and yeah. <laughs> it was um, so Janet Eckelman, who, who we does, just saw, who we just saw, who does these amazing sculptures using rope and stuff. But it's, I mean, your point is perfect. Uh, for that because you know she's not sitting there tying the rope anymore she's like you know she's got she's, she's built machines to do it she's working in 3d mm. yeah she worked that, with google with the last one and yeah. did all the interactivity which um, is crazy that was so an cool. incredible um yeah piece of work yeah well mm. series or I don't, I don't even know what to call it <laughs> yeah yeah sculpture like i think she called it wind sculpture wind sculpture mm. she said at the beginning she said i never set out to be to do sculpture with wind she talked about how she was a, a you know b student painter and, <laughs> and all that stuff i i learned a lesson to not judge a book by its cover when she came out i was a bit like oh okay cool Some sculpt- <laughs> but wow she ramped it up yeah. yeah that just got better and better and better and more complex and more interactive it was nice seeing her processes behind it it was great uh looking at earthquakes or the the Tsunami. What was it? Tsunami. Yeah, the tsunami <laughs> pattern. Yeah. Yeah, which is cool. I mean, I feel like we need something to influence our work, and mm. she sort of really hit it on the. So, is that something yeah. you take into account when you're shooting that you also shoot a kind of behind the scenes? Behind the scenes? Video of like, you know, this is, this is us doing the shoot, or. I never. I used to do that, but now I'm like, oh. People don't need to see this. Oh, really? <laughs> it's not as exciting as it seemed. Because it did seem to become like a big thing for a little while. Like everyone was kind of doing it. And then mm. yeah, it does feel like it's dropped off again. Yeah. I mean, it was stuff that I was 
really interested in when I was sort of learning about lighting, but I feel like the more I get into it, the more you can sort of just read it off the single image. It's interesting to see the way people do things. I feel like in that way, I'm very nerdy. Like we find interesting ways to mount iPads to C-stands to like all sorts of crazy ways. Um, So in that regard, it's interesting, but otherwise, yeah. (laughs) So what about your personal work? That's what I'm trying to, I feel like I've spent the past however long I've been shooting commercial trying to get back to a certain degree. The more commercial work I do, the more I kind of stop shooting personal stuff. So the whole, I guess, um, building sets and stuff is sort of my way of trying to get back to what I used to be doing. Yeah. What's the, what's the main difference from the commercial work then? I guess for commercial work, we're looking to please the client. Mm-hmm. And for the most part, that's making sure the clothes look good. I'm more focused on the person's face and, mm-hmm. you know, how how their expression is or how they're moving. And if the clothes look bad than that, I'm kind of like, oh, oh, well, you know, at least the person <laughs> looks good, you know, like overall as an image, it's great. So if I don't have to think about, you know, them wearing a certain thing or having a shot and then the stylist being like, oh, actually we needed the shoes in that one. Right. And then having to sort of change the whole frame to something that's sort of, you know, that can be, be I guess that to me that breaks an image. You don't um, in post just grab the shoes from another <laughs> shot. Content aware, fill and, the yeah. whole background. Yeah, pop them in. Um, I wish I could do that. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so I guess with sets, uh, I've been trying to work in an uncompromising way. And so for the first time we built a set, it was for a beauty shoot, which was literally just someone's face. <laughs> uh, so we built this room for it and people would never be able to tell that we built something but right. to me you know we it was the atmosphere on the day being able to shoot in this sort of contained area um that doesn't have a awful studio feel is what created the image and so all these little factors influence sort of how what the final outcome will be yeah cool um i wanted to bring up your Ex-girlfriend, yep. I guess, um, who is Lord. Mm-hmm. Um, and I guess, uh, not, not to talk about her, but I mean, that was, you were really thrust into the limelight so at that I, point. I don't, I don't know anything about this. So what's, what's the background? So when two people like each other. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yes, I mean, she, her musical career took off. Yeah, and, for sure. And you guys were dating and, and you, you were kind of thrust into... The paparazzi scene, I guess, on the other side of the of the camera, so mm. to speak, which is a interesting place to be. I feel like I've um become a lot more skeptical about. Really? Uh, well, I guess like you know, having been on the other side of the camera, which is not saying like I guess like I'm not a paparazzi and I'm not chasing people around. Yeah, yeah. But like seeing <laughs> sort of new style of fashion photography coming out here, <laughs> <laughs> seeing how other people work, I'm kind of like, or well, I guess what maybe it's the the dark side to photography or the dark side to social media i've become a lot more skeptical about this whole world and i guess the more sort of that's gone on the more i've started to think about 
how well i guess what social media sort of really means okay um hmm. which sounds strange but sort of i have an okay following and a lot of my work comes through that which i can't deny and also super grateful for it but i start to question what sort of you know brands are after numbers they want likes they want they want a following as well um hmm. but what does that even really mean like if you're pushing paid posts up there which is something that i've i don't know i can't say that i don't do it because i i do do it i only do it in the way where i'm collaborating with the product but i guess yeah content on social media these days feels a lot more ingenuine right. it does it does feel weird so um at, during halloween i mm. i went to a party in san francisco and it um the people who are hosting the party have a dog called Dougie <laughs> and he has 600,000 followers on Instagram. What? The dog has. The dog. Yeah. And that was, was he at the party? He was at the party. He, was he awesome. should be here. He was wow. Like, yeah, he was, yeah. He should be <laughs> one of the influencers. Should have got him on stage with Tarantino. <laughs> but he was like, he was just a, he's like a great dog sort of thing. What type of dog was it? Um, a, a kind of strange looking one, I guess. One of those ones. <laughs> yeah. Little and cute stuff yeah. so but <laughs> you know i thought that was really interesting i was like you know who who's looking at at that and who feels that that they want to follow everything mm. that dougie does i just thought it was a really is, strange yeah so i'm just going to bring up just before we answer that question i'm just going to bring up something's happened to my instagram feed and it's nothing but dogs and i think i suspect i might drink a little bit too much go home <laughs> and like dog photos really this is my whole feed. This is this is great radio, obviously, guys. But um, <laughs> why? Imagine. I don't know. I f only follow a couple, but I just get nothing but. Okay, so okay. So, so you're the person we want to talk to. Why are you following dogs? Well, I'm not following that many. No, it's right. the people you follow uh, liking right. dogs because I've been like, every once in a while, my feed will just come up with like memes, memes. Yeah, memes. 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 Yeah. Okay, I'm gonna call them memes because that's what it looks like to me. <laughs> um, which I'm like, who the fuck is looking at this shit yeah yeah turns out it's all my friends thanks guys <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's kind of collectively all of us right mm. i mean i definitely follow a couple of australian dog accounts um <laughs> but what I, I just want to understand that a little I bit just, more they're just cute as shit <laughs> okay and i see the dog doing like a cool trick i feel like, like you oh, can't. i want a dog <laughs> and then i go about my life <laughs> dogless i'm <laughs> sad and the okay. cycle, the cycle continues. The cycle continues. Yeah, yeah. So I'm part of the problem. <laughs> I mean, it's, yeah, and I guess that brings up the point. Is like, especially what what happened with you. I mm. guess in that whole, the the people watching and reading and and kind of logging onto social media were, are kind of causing the problem in some way, aren't they? Yeah. Well, I mean, it's like people like my bloody mum, who's like, they go home and it's like. Women's Day magazines everyone which I'm like what the fuck are you doing <laughs> <laughs> stop supporting the shit <laughs> but then like it's it's a a war that you can't win um, if I could have one thing happen while I'm alive it would be to rid of paparazzi from the world or at least really? from New Zealand <laughs> wow. um, I've come face to face with a lot of them and also exchanged a lot of words with a lot of them and they feel entitled to be in the place and feel like they have a right to intrude mm. on people's privacy. And people, I feel like people often don't realize that until it's happened to them. Yeah. 
Um, and I guess that's the same with me because I mean, like, I never sort of noticed or paid any attention to any of that until it's in front of you, and then you're like, "Well, for fuck's sake, yeah. can't. Wow, these guys are, you know, horrible." Yeah, and then it's people like you know, it's it's like the Women's Day and the TMZ of the world that really push that, mm. and these people have, I guess, like you know, a lot of money to do whatever they want, right. Which also, it's great that uh, Hulk Hogan won his case, if you saw that. Yeah. Although there's a whole... Have no. You, have he, you been following this? No, I haven't. So Hulk Hogan apparently had a porno that... Um, was, I don't know the specifics, but he had a sex tape was a gawker? that yeah, yeah was leaked or somehow right. it got out. Uh, gawker put it up online for everybody and then... We basically said, fuck you, it's online, wow. we have a right to do this, and then they lost. And It's been uh, going on for like a long time. I had heard something about it, but I didn't know the specifics. And it was funded... Uh, Who would want to watch that? I mean, is this a recent sex tape of Hulk Hogan? Uh, six, no, I think, it, I think it was from a while ago. But the, the interesting thing behind it, uh, um, the court case was funded not by Hulk Hogan, but by a lot of um, IT people from um, oh. Silicon Valley. So yeah, Wait, so, backing Hulk Hogan. Yeah, to oh right, to, yeah. So it's kind of there's there's this kind of backstory as well where right, um, yeah. But it's been pretty interesting. So what's mm. the solution to that? Do they just the next time a video comes out like this, does someone at Gawker say, okay, just well, Gawker make an got um, on Reddit, they became it to Reddit, and then we'll link it across from Gawker. That way, we did we weren't the ones that uploaded it. They 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 went bankrupt. Yeah. Oh, did they? Oh, well, so I guess they, that's probably not going to happen then. Yeah, but I bet you know. I mean, it, it someone else will buy them out or whatever. Exactly. Sure, they'll yeah. start something else. But, mm. but I mean, does that go back? And I can't believe we're talking about sex tapes when we've got you in the room. But <laughs> does that go back in to hotel all, room? Bye yeah, bye. <laughs> back to all the other sex tapes that um, you know is that now uh, set in stone that they can go and sue? I would like to think it creates a precedent for future um, well, hopefully past cases, but. Mm. I mean, I'm no lawyer. I don't know how this works. Yeah. That's it. Yeah, yeah. I don't know either. Yeah. So going back to your situation though, from mm. the outside, it seemed like, like one day just normal life, and the next day, essentially. I mean, yeah. things changed quite a lot over a very short period of time, and it was something to get used to very quickly, which I feel like nobody how, how how do you even go about trying to get used to, used to that well, that's the thing it's like for a while i shut down my social media because i was like oh i don't want to see i don't want to be a part of this yeah and then that's sort of realizing that you can't really fight against any of that because at the same time like my social media is my work like, yeah well you just said that's where you get yeah. all of your work so if i hopefully one day that will change and we won't have social media to get work but um yeah like i guess you you deal that's it yeah unfortunately there's i, I don't think there's any good way or the yeah, there's strategy solution or, to that it's funny you brought up the um you can't win a friend of friend of mine that i work with um was doing online campaigns and, and something something went wrong and the trolls were out and, mm. and all that sort of stuff and he was just basically said you just you just can't beat the internet. The internet always wins. Oh yeah, so it's like yeah. it's like a casino. It's like a casino, it's yeah. Like internet will always don't fuck win. With the internet. Yeah, you know, don't <laughs> don't feed the trolls. Don't fuck with the internet. All that sort mm. of stuff. So, um, yeah, it's interesting that you brought that up. It's like a lot of YouTubers, um, 
don't read their comments just because of how volatile. Oh yeah. The the bigger you get, the more people will just discover your video and come on and saying something racist that's got nothing to do with anything mm-hmm. or something sexist or something and super I, bizarre. And, and I seriously make this mistake sometimes that I actually start reading comments and then I get really upset with the world. It's just like, how can people... Like, yeah. What what are their lives like that this must be a thing that they like do? <laughs> it's everybody though. That's the yeah. problem, which I'm like, oh, this is, there's not much of a solution here because this is what you get when you have... Uh, anonymity anon- yeah. to be anonymous so yeah so has that um, made you feel I get well I guess it has to like made you feel slightly nervous with social media or, or kind of publicity of any sort of yeah I mean I tend to stay away from it like I don't really care to be in a spotlight which is a common thing that photographers talk about, I guess, in the sense of that you are on one side of the camera mm. and then to be on the other side of the camera is like a completely unknown. Even so, you've been directing and kind of... I don't really know why. I guess why that would be with other people. I feel like I do the odd press thing because I want to get a visa to America. Hi. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so you need these things, but... um. Yeah, I mean, we we all can't live in caves. <laughs> yeah. Not forever, anyway. So you're obviously living and working in Auckland now, but traveling mm. quite a bit. Yeah. Do you want to stay living in New uh, Zealand? New Zealand's a bit of a bubble. So, you know, I'm like work for me now is going very well, which I'm happy about. But I also feel like when I look at my work, I always want to push it further. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I spent a couple of months in Australia earlier this year. And sort of it's meeting new people and working with them is like working with a like a new tier of like creatives and the work that they're producing is amazing and so to sort of push yourself i feel like you need to move to a bigger pond which is scary but you know it's mm-hmm. something that you have to do so australia's like a stepping stone to then the rest of the world <laughs> well that's the thing i'm like do i go there do i go further yeah. Everyone in Australia is like, no, no, just go further. Don't bother. Mm. You're going to start at like the scratch when you go to America anyway. Right. So what's the point in coming here? Yeah. You know? Makes sense. But surely with your portfolio, certain doors are open to you. I hope so. We'll find <laughs> out next week. <laughs> so you go, you, I don't know if we talked about this yet on the show. This was pre-show about mm. you going to New York. So what, what exactly are you doing in New York? Uh, well, let's call it a holiday, but a one where... I'll do lots of meetings. Right, uh, cool. So, to customs, it's a holiday. But. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> holiday. Yeah, meeting shoots, uh, whatever I can to sort of. I guess for the most part, it's me figuring figuring out the place if it's somewhere where I want to be. Because mm. at the same time, like you know, to work in New York would be amazing, but if living there sucks, then mm. you know, I don't really want to do that. So, have you ever been to New York before, like Manhattan or anything? Yeah. I've, I feel like I've, this will be my sixth or seventh time oh, over wow. there. So it's like, it's cool. I mean, every time I've been there, it's been like, I guess, under a different situation or a holiday, um, yeah. which is like nice. But I guess living there will be a different story. Sure. Um, and I guess now that I'm sort of approaching it in terms of a, with work in mind, as trying to actually see if I can work out there. Mm. Um, I have the luxury back home of um, 
having a studio I work out of who let me build giant sets, um, mm. which I feel like will be a lot more difficult in New York to drag sheets of plywood <laughs> from one side of the city to another. Yeah. Simple fact is I don't even know where to buy that stuff in New York. Yeah. But yeah, hopefully mm. it will be good. Cool. Mm-hmm. Um, and then do we want to talk about working with designers or anything like that? Agencies? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I don't have an agent. <laughs> no. Oh, I just meant like design agencies or advertising, advertising agencies. Advertising agencies. Do you ever work with them? I've had one experience. Is Otherwise, it? it's like New Zealand's so small that it's kind of like direct to the client. Right. Uh, I feel like I'm still chasing that ball a little bit. Mm. My work's predominantly fashion, so... Mm. people don't really people in fashion at least in New Zealand don't go to their agents because it's more expensive and yeah you know if you can just go direct why? I'm next door so <laughs> yeah um, just get James yeah because <laughs> nice. I mean it's interesting because I look at your work and when I've um, I've talked to other photographers and mm. they've looked at your work and everyone's been like wow okay he's huge cool. But then you, you're, 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 you're very <laughs> humble when you talk about it. Right? So you don't see as your kind of... I feel like I'm always looking at, like I guess, bigger photographers and stuff and where they're, where they're going, where they've come from. And I feel like I'm still at the start of my journey. Um, I entered photography quite, quite late. Uh so I still feel like I've got a lot to learn in that regard. Um, and at least having been thrust into commercial stuff, I can see that sort of my art projects uh, were quite terrible at the time. Right. Mm-hmm. So now I'm like, okay, well, this is where I'm calling my start to photography. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Great. I think that takes us to the end of the show. Excellent. So, um, thank you very much. Yeah, thank thanks you. For, thanks for coming on. Cheers. Um, what we usually do at the end is just um, go around the table and find out how people can like find your work and, and cool. check you out. So, where would you like to point people? Like to your website or Instagram or something? Um, you can go to my website or my Instagram, which is jameskalo, and then .com if it's the website. Probably that one because it actually has work. The other one just has snaps of me being bored. <laughs> yeah cool perfect yeah it's definitely worth going and looking because you've done I think I think you've done some really beautiful work so yeah the f- photography is obviously amazing um, and everyone should go check it out um, Matt uh, Leesworth on Twitter cool and I'm at Flynn Tracy on everything you can find this episode and more at AUSdesignradio.com and you can follow the show on Twitter Instagram and SoundCloud at AUSdesignradio thanks guys thanks thank you, thank you.